seekers, explorers, and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode and a new year with the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. In today's episode, we have a special guest with us, uh, Fred Joyle, who's the author of Superbold. It's a book that gradually and systematically brings you through from where you are today to being super bold in 90 days. I thoroughly enjoyed this book myself and uh, will certainly apply a lot of these techniques and practices into my own life. In today's episode we are going to focus more on uh, why it is that we hold ourselves back from uh, being super bold and uh, what we can do to uh, make those changes to move into our own greatness as it were. I trust you will enjoy Fred's uh, company as much as I did, and uh, so let's get to it. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to the first podcast of uh, 2022. Happy New Year to you all. Um, today we have the pleasure of welcoming a special guest, Fred, Fred Joyle, uh, and uh, he's the author of a book called Super Bold, uh, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. Uh, bold, bold statement right up front, uh, or bold promise rather. Um, and I'm picking out a quote here from the, the very end of his book, which I thought there are many elements of it that we can uh, pick apart. And it kind of gives a good uh, indication as to where this book uh, uh, kind of landed. So the quote is, increasing your potential, uh, elevating your capabilities and expanding your impact on the world will be where true meaning comes in your life. It will all only stop when your heart does. So show up and pr uh, present the real best and best you to the world every day. The new and improved, uh, sorry, the new and improved one that is just a little bit better than yesterday. So a lot of things there to kind of pick apart. And today's episode is called Super Bold. Uh, in honor of uh, Fred's book, and I hope that Fred doesn't uh, uh, dis disapprove by me and using his, the name of his book for that. Um, but when we're talking about boldness, and I'm looking at from my perspective, boldness is this it's the mixture of courage and intuition, it's where you know the balance of your courage uh, and Fred talks about this in the book a lot we'll go into it a little bit more but I think it's a good opportunity now to just give him a, a bit of background on Fred and I'll, I'll let him uh, introduce himself as well but uh, the introduction he has in his book is not from my lips it's from his lips <laughs> and you'll understand why I'm making that disclaimer right up front so uh, Fred Joyle is an author, uh, speaker, entrepreneur, and business advisor, along with a lucrative career in advertising and marketing. He co-founded the most successful uh, dentist referral service in the, uh, in the country, that being the US, uh, 1-800-DENTIST. He has written two books on marketing, dabbled in stand-up and improv comedy, acted in bad movies by his own account, and excellent TV commercials, again, by his own account, and visited over 44 countries around the world. 
He has an honorary Doctor of Arts degree from the University of Rhode Island, perhaps because of his generous donations, again, by his own <laughs> account. He once beat Sir Richard Branson in chess and was also uh, an answer on Jeopardy. He's an avid cyclist and, from what I understand, uh, uh, now an avid uh, snowboarder as well, and below average uh, tennis player, and even worse, golfer. And I don't know... If, I can't uh, tell from that because I haven't played golf with him yet, but I can, I'm sure I can beat him on that account. Um, so welcome, Fred Joyle. Thank you, Christopher. I'm excited to be here and talk with your audience. Thank you. I well, appreciate you taking the time and getting up early in the morning and joining us. Uh, so the uh, boldness, huh? The writing a book about how people can get become bold. Um, that's bold in itself, isn't it? Uh, well, yes, it is. And and by promising that you can do, you can transform yourself in 90 days is a bold promise as yeah. well. But the reality is boldness can be learned. You can build your confidence levels to, uh, without changing yourself to surprising levels. Uh, and I am the exponent of that. I, I'm writing this book based on myself because I, grew up as an incredibly painfully shy person and it took me decades to work my way through it and I figured out a systematic way that anyone can do it in a much more accelerated fashion and then just keep doing it for the rest of their lives just become bolder and bolder uh and because that's where all the fun is that's where all the learning and adventure is when you move out of your comfort zone and discover what's possible and bring your, your challenge yourself. Uh, and what happens is you get rewarded for your boldness. Uh, my life was filled with missed opportunities and regrets um, from hesitation, from not stepping up, from not speaking up. And I think that that's daunting for a lot of people, especially when it matters. Some people are very confident in a lot of situations, but then when it becomes crucial, they freeze or they, they, they hesitate and they miss the opportunity. And it could be something very important. It could be something pivotal in their life that they miss out on. I look back at the pivotal moments in my life and they were always time when I stepped up. I pushed myself out and said, yeah, I can do this or introduce myself to somebody, whatever it was. And so I want people to live their fullest life prevent present their fullest self and that because that requires being boldness confidence is how you feel about yourself boldness is taking that confidence and putting it into action that's the big difference absolutely and uh, there are certainly pitfalls in terms of well because I, I i know everybody listening to this are going to have experienced times when they haven't exercised their boldness and have had those missed opportunities. I know for sure I have. Um, uh, thankfully, they are becoming less and less uh, uh, <laughs> moments of that. Uh, but there is also the overdoing it, as it were. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, because you do address it quite, uh, quite a lot in your book in terms of finding that balance. So what was the pivotal moment for yourself in terms of when you decided that, you know what, that I, this ain't working. <laughs> I need to do something differently. 
Yeah, well, if there were more than one time. There was one that was a work opportunity, but and there was another that was a relationship opportunity that I I didn't speak up with this person that I thought could have really been a great relationship. Uh, and neither of us spoke up because we didn't want to mess up the friendship. Uh, and then later I found out that when she, right after she got married, that she was actually in love with me at the time, back when I hesitated, but didn't want to broach it. And, and so I missed out on that. And I went, wow, all I had to do was say something. And, and I, I was, I remember the moment of hesitation. Uh, now I have found great love and great relationships over the years, mostly because I stepped out of my comfort zone and pushed myself into a situation where I could meet somebody and, and expose myself to rejection and vulnerability and, and all of that, which is what you have to do. You have to realize that, uh, Rejection doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily something you have to take on, but it, I, I took it on in a big way and uh, made it very hard in my life uh, in my early years and and took took a long time to work out. From a business standpoint, I missed a, a work opportunity because this company I was working for the the boss gave me an opportunity to step up to the office instead of the the. Uh, machine shop floor where I was working and he said I think you could really you know do this I think you could get us new customers I'm going to give you a phone I'm going to give you a desk I'm going to give you a list of potential customers and just call them and see if they want to do business with us I couldn't make a single phone call I couldn't dial the phone and I and and so back to the machine shop floor I went and, and I was like what is wrong with me that I can't like pull this together. And so I just, I realized I had to be comfortable being uncomfortable essentially uh, until I got good, got beyond it. And what happened is I reprogrammed myself with the rewards of boldness where instead of, you know, constantly my voice in my head telling me, Oh, this is going to go badly. People are going to laugh. You're going to fail. You're going to embarrass yourself, whatever. I stopped listening. I could still hear the voice. I just stopped listening to it basically yeah. no, no I, I i've been uh, in sales my entire life myself and yeah cold calling is one of those things i i still don't like but you, you push yourself to do it anyway right and uh, you just yeah. you just uh, work towards assume you're going to not assume you're going to fail but know that failing is okay and that you you're going to make 100 calls and 20 of them might pick up the phone and perhaps one of them is going to engage in the conversation with you uh, and that's fine you know you, you play the numbers and just uh, uh, being okay with uh, that level of rejection uh, but uh, i know in your book you talk about uh, practicing kind of putting yourself out there um, do you find today that it's necessary for you to kind of just say yes to everything as it were, or do you, do you find that intuition, your intuition is uh, heightened by this boldness as well, so that you know what to say yes to, what to say no to? Yeah, it's not, not just saying yes to everything. It's, it's being comfortable taking risks, putting myself out there, whether it's a business risk or, a, or an emotional or personal risk, uh, 
not necessarily a financial risk. I'm not saying constantly push all your chips to the middle of the, of the table every day. That's that's not boldness. That's miscalculated risk. Yeah. Um, so no, boldness is about chasing your dreams as fully and actively as possible uh, instead of waiting for stuff to happen. Um, so that and and it's about what I'm talking about in terms of super bold and the the exercises and it is really building your boldness muscle so that you can call on it when you need it when it's important when there's somebody you really want to meet or or you have to speak in front of people i mean just from a business standpoint you have to be good at speaking in front of people if you're going to have a career with any success if you're going to have a business if you're going to raise money for that business uh, if you're going to get big clients, all of that requires you having the ability to speak calmly, clearly, and effectively. And you can't be anxious. You can't be nervous. So you have to master that. And you're only going to master that by doing it, by being uncomfortable until you're good at it. So there's, there's a lot of steps involved, but it's, it's all done very gradually. Just, just like learning to walk, you, we, we learn to walk by falling a hundred times right? or a thousand times as a child. And all of a sudden we took the first step and then all of a sudden we're running. We go from walking to running pretty fast. Um, yeah, we, and, we, we don't kind of, we don't step up and say, you know what, I've been falling now five times and uh, you know what, this is, uh, yeah, I don't like this embarrassment of falling all the time. So I'm just going to stop here and continue. Right. And, and as a parent, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say you've fallen enough. I think you should not try to learn to walk. You would never say that, no. <laughs> right? But parents say other stuff that's very discouraging. They go like, don't talk to strangers, you know, speak when you're spoken to and all sorts of stuff like that. Or they're worried about you getting hurt. You know, helicopter parents, they're trying to protect their child from every possible psychological danger, which creates an incredibly weak child. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to let your kid fall emotionally and psychologically as well to become stronger and more confident and bolder by working their way through it. No, I totally agree with that. One, one thing, uh, or there were several things that I enjoyed with the book and your, your approach to it. it, it was, you had the, the work up as it were. It was very measured and you you describe it as a uh, dosing or dosage. Uh, yes. You know, they, and uh, when we talk about manifestation or, you know, law of attraction and all those things, uh, one thing that I uh, uh, am a proponent of is to take the steps that you're comfortable with that you can believe in yourself. Um, you wouldn't necessarily go from being uh, holed up at home to, uh, singing in the street, as it were. Um, it's taking those steps that you're comfortable with, just pushing yourself a little bit. So you want to talk a little bit about the steps? Uh, you had the uh, the acronym PRIDE here, for example, in your book. You want to talk a little bit about the kind of steps towards, uh, towards uh, boldness that you uh, propose? Yes. So in, in the book, there are five levels of exercises that you do to build your boldness muscle. And they start at very, very simple levels, uh, basically because you're, it's, a, it's a controlled step into your discomfort zone. It's not a giant leap. Um, and so the pride method is 
the five steps that you would employ to prepare yourself for an exercise, but also to prepare yourself for any situation. So the, the acronym stands for preparation, relaxing, insight, dosage, and everyday action. Preparation being the first step. If you, let's say, and I'll, I'll just run through an example of it. Let's mm -hmm. say you're going to introduce yourself to the person in front of you in the coffee line. So you're going to prepare yourself. You're not just going to like just start talking and hope. Nobody prepares us for social interaction is the problem, right? We, we go through, we can go through 18 years of schooling and, and never learn how to interact socially. Um, so you prepare what you're going to say. And, and, and I talk about what that would be, you know, often it's just a compliment. Uh, you know, you compliment, you know, the, that's a great suit you're wearing or, or that's, that dress looks great on you or, you know, uh, those are terrific glasses you're wearing. Whatever it is, you prepare yourself for what you're going to say. Now, this, this could expand into a much bigger thing where you're going to be prepared for a speech. You got to prepare that speech so that you can be spontaneous. That's the foundation that's created by preparation is you're confident enough in your preparation to be spontaneous in the moment. Because you could say, those are terrific glasses. I would love to know where you got them. And the person responds, and now you're off and running on an interaction. And then there's more, more steps beyond that. But that preparation has started you. Now, you got to relax. You, you don't want to radiate anxiety or nervousness when you're introducing yourself to somebody. So all you have to do is take a couple of breaths. I, I talk about many more relaxing relaxation techniques in the book, but just breathing is really powerful. People don't realize how quickly the autonomic nervous system takes over when we're anxious and shuts down all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. So take some breaths and then speak to the person. Now, the other thing, the insights are really important. You have to have that insight that holds people. What is holding people back most of the time is they're really worried about what other people are thinking about that. And the reality is people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. Mm -hmm. That's their favorite topic. They're not, they may have, and they may have, the other insight is they may have a judgment about you based on nothing, based on your haircut. And so do they know you? Why would you worry about their opinion of you? They don't know you. And this is what underconfident and shy people do all the time. They worry about what everybody thinks and imagines they're thinking about them. And, and I just want, I give them the rational thought. Do, do they actually know you? Then why would their opinion matter? They have no knowledge of you. The other thing is, you can't worry about their reaction because you don't know what headspace they're in at this moment. This could be the worst day of their life or their blood sugar could be plummeting or they're getting a divorce or they just got fired or whatever, or they're just thinking about something else or they're really painfully shy. So you can't worry about that. You have to let that go. These are key insights to putting yourself out in the world. And it, and it may be, let, let's take it some, to an, another extreme, like you're giving a eulogy for a parent or your best friend or whatever. You need to have the insight that it doesn't matter if 
people think, oh, he's losing it emotionally. Look at him crying up there. Nobody, that doesn't matter. What matters is you got to say what you wanted to say about this person and you didn't want to miss this opportunity. So you, you have to let that stuff go. And it only happens gradually when you realize that you can reject rejection, that, that you can let stuff bounce off you. Because this is what bold people do all the time. It just bounces right off them. And they keep, you know, it's just like cold calling. They make 100 calls, 90 hangups don't bother them at all. They just, they go, I'm closer. I'm closer to a, another sale. They don't, they don't go, oh, I'm a terrible person. People hung up on me. They don't take it on. So these insights are important. Dosage is the next step. You want to control the intensity of the experience. If, if you want to learn to meet people and talk to strangers, don't go to a, a, a party of 200 people where you don't know anybody. Meet one person, meet two people. Because you're going to overdose yourself and you're going to spend all the whole night hiding in the bathroom or you're going to leave without meeting anybody. And I've done that. I've done that plenty of times because I didn't know how to control the intensity of experience or just introduce myself to one person. So what you're doing is ex gradually expanding your comfort zone by venturing into your discomfort zone, then retreating back and restoring yourself. And then the final step is everyday action. Work on it every day. Work on your boldness every day. Don't go to bed without doing some bold move somehow. Because what happens is you rewire your brain. You reprogram yourself. You create new neural pathways that are your choice is to act boldly rather than to act with hesitation and fear. And, it's, and it just happens because the brain can be rewired. And, and then this whole level of getting becoming charismatic, charisma is just you're rating the confidence and feeling, you're projecting this feeling. And you, you, know, you talk a tremendous amount about energy. It is projecting this energy that you belong everywhere. Wherever you are, you are comfortable and you belong there. You can be the only person in the room without a tuxedo on and be perfectly comfortable and say, I still belong here. I'm a human being like everybody else. Bold people have learned to do this automatically. They, but the rest of us can learn it. And when you embrace that feeling, people are drawn to that energy, that confidence. And all you're doing is presenting the full you. You're not depriving people of who you are. By, by keeping it inside. That's really what I want everybody to do is be the real full you to the world and don't miss opportunities. Don't hold back when you need to act, when you need to speak up, when you need to try something. Well, I, I think a lot of people are afraid that if in order to become bold, they have to put on this mask or put on this uh, facade of some sorts that isn't them. Uh, mm. And it's, it's that I think is a concern for a lot of people. So is that something you've found as well? And, the, and having this real person, uh, real you kind of uh, emerge and be presented in these situations, is, is that something you find that people yeah, are Yeah, I, I think that people are saying, well, I'm, I don't want to become somebody else. It's almost impossible to become somebody else. Um, but what you're doing is you're hiding 
Mm-hmm. You're staying within your side, in, inside yourself. People say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally a shy person. I, I don't think you are. I think you behave shyly in certain situations. You're not shy at, at Thanksgiving dinner with your family or, or the holiday celebrations or out with your best friends at a movie. You're not shy then. You're behaving in a shy way when you feel challenged or uncomfortable or emotionally or psychologically at risk. But are you correct in feeling you're at risk? What, what we're really great at doing when we are underconfident is imagining the worst case scenario. What's, what, oh, people are gonna laugh, this, this, I'll be embarrassed, right? The reality is you can't actually die of embarrassment. And being embarrassed is a choice that you're making. Right. But and so you could choose a different reaction that is not embarrassed. So all you're doing is is letting yourself blossom uniquely. Now, I'm never going to be a guy dancing on the tables. okay? and and I'm never going to be the life of the party, but I'm going to meet five people at that party and really get to know them and really make an impression on them. And I may end up meeting 20 people who will all think I'm interesting because I interacted with them and found out who they were and because I've developed that skill but am I going to be the one jumping in front of everybody and say oh let's let's all tango no because that's not important to me first of all I don't need that that's not what I that's not my goal in life um my goal is to impact as many people as possible by never missing an opportunity to reach out, to step up, to speak up. If I see somebody being bullied, I want to speak up. If I see somebody saying something, you know, and telling an ethnic or a racial joke or something like that, I want to speak up and say, you know, you're you got to let that go. This is that's no longer appropriate to be doing that stuff. Technically, never was, but you got to stop doing this. I don't want to be the one who goes, ah, ha, ha, that's, that's funny. Yeah, that's okay. Even though I, I, I'm offended by it. I don't want to, that's, that's not, I don't want to be that guy who's afraid to speak up when somebody does something like that. I don't want to worry about the repercussions of them, oh, of not liking me. Hey, if, if you insist on doing that, I don't want you to like me, yeah. right? Because I, I don't like your behavior. I may like you. I may love you as a person, but like, you gotta, you gotta stop that crap. You know, and and then, like I said, you want you don't want to miss the opportunity to ask for a raise, ask for a promotion, introduce yourself to somebody that you really want to meet, like whether it's an athlete or a movie star or or a, a, a potential relationship you want to start. You you want to be able to walk up and have a human interaction where they're they're actually comfortable talking to you and sharing with you who they are and And that's a life skill yeah no certainly and i think this message is all the more important uh, today especially you know we are starting to emerge from our dark holes so called uh uh, homes and (laughs) from uh uh imposed uh seclusion and i think a lot of people have kind of found or rekindled their uh, their relationship with their shyness uh, because it's been now you know at least here in the uk you know people were locked down for a very long time and uh, now we're re-emerging and uh, now we have to interact with others again and it's 
it's a little bit strange, um, even though we we have a lot to talk about because we've all gone through the same experience, right? Uh, but then again, people get a little tired talking about uh, you know the, the the pandemic and all of that stuff. So, um, talk to us a little bit about you know, for example, if you go into a bar alone and to approach someone, I think that is the one thing that. <laughs> frightens the bejesus out of a lot of people. What are some of the techniques some people can use for that kind of an interaction or going into a party where, you know, you don't know anybody? Uh, the, the most powerful thing you can do in, in a lot of public situations with complete strangers is uh, compliment somebody. What I call a, a, the throwaway compliment. You, you're offering a compliment without any expectation the the thing that people sense and puts people off is they sense a deeper agenda from you and so when you offer something like that looking for nothing in return you just say those are you know wow that that outfit looks really great on you uh it, you know it, it really compliments your eyes or whatever the heck it is that that's something you can say to somebody and then what, and then you just introduce yourself and you say, you know, hi, I'm Cameron. I'd, I'd love to meet you. Uh, my name's Fred. It's, it's incredibly easy to say, but you have to prepare yourself to say that so that you actually say those words and you, you realize that people respond to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I challenge myself. I will talk to people in elevators as a, a great example. Um, because people don't talk in elevators, except in Australia, where they all talk for some reason. <laughs> uh, and uh, but I do that because it's this weird situation where everybody feels like they're not supposed to talk until you talk to them. Then they, they you can talk about anything. Um, and and that's what and you're going to fail at it until you get good at it. And that's what you got to be able to sit there and say, I'm going to talk to the person next to me and I'm not going to engage them permanently. I'll, I'll give you uh, an extreme example of this, uh, of, of me going more boldly. I, I was back uh, at Christmas time. I had gone to the East Coast uh, and uh, a friend of mine couldn't come out. So I was, he was meeting me at this, this little bar and he couldn't make it out there. So I was sitting there alone, like the terror. Oh, I'm, I'm here alone. And so there were half a dozen people at the bar. And there were, there were three women sitting at the end of the bar. And clearly now anybody would look at that and go, oh, there's three women out on their own. They don't want to talk to anybody. So I, as I walked by them, uh, I stopped and said, uh, hi, uh, excuse me, I'm celebrating something today and I'd love to buy you all a drink. Uh, it doesn't come with any obligation for conversation. I just, my friend didn't show up. So I want to be able to celebrate a little bit. They didn't say, get away from me. They said, really, what are you celebrating? And, and I said, well, you know, my book just hit number four on the Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller list. And it really, and, it, and we went on from there. And then I walked away. We had a little exchange about that. And I went back to my seat. 10 minutes later, one of the women leans back and says, why don't you come sit over here with us? 
And we spent the next hour and a half all talking. And, and all I did was ask them questions about themselves. I didn't go on and on about my book or my life or my business or my travels. I said, what's, what was interesting to you? What was your best moment last year? And I, and, I, and I dug deeper and deeper and deeper. It's amazing how much you can be interesting to people by simply saying, tell me more about that. Instead of, you know, when somebody says, oh, I just got back from Paris, it was wonderful, and he did this and that. And you jump in with your Paris story. Instead of jumping in with your Paris story, you go, all right, so what was your favorite part? Like, what was your favorite place to eat in Paris? Um, did something disappoint you about Paris while you were there? You just keep asking questions. And all of a sudden, they reveal a little bit more about themselves. And they went, you know, I, I thought I was really going to like the food, but it was way too rich. And it's like, really? But, you know, all the Parisians are all skinny somehow. How is that possible? Right. And, and they, because all they seem to eat is butter. Right. Uh, and they say, yeah, that's that's weird. But actually, I didn't gain any weight while I was there. And I said, well, you look terrific. So uh, enjoy the butter. Maybe you need to buy Parisian butter while you're here. Uh, and it, what happens is you just you when you have when they don't feel like you have an ulterior motive for the conversation, you're just creating a, a human interaction, then they relax. This is, you know, I tell people like I, I tell salespeople like real estate brokers, if they if you're trying to meet somebody, you don't walk up and say, hi, I'm Pamela. I'm a real estate broker and I'd, I'd love to meet you. You say, hi, I'm Pamela. What's your name? What do you do? Really? Do you live around here? Tell me more. What's, you know, what's your favorite place to hang out around here? You have a 20 minute conversation and never mention you're a real estate broker. But before you're done, you know everything about them because they're dying to talk about themselves. And you'll get layers and layers of it. I've had I've met complete strangers and gone so incredibly deep in 90 minutes with them that I know more about them than their spouse does sometimes. Uh, because people, when, when you're, you make it safe for them to talk about themselves because you're not after anything, you're not, you have no agenda besides yeah. connecting. It's incredibly powerful. So there's unconditionality in your, your approach, but also uh, there ha I feel there has to be that uh, genuine uh genuinity in your approach as well that you know you don't say you have a beautiful dress it really matches your eyes unless you mean it right yeah you gotta you gotta here's what i i go one step further if i find i i see something that i think is weird about them or that i have a judgment because we all have judgments instant judgments about people that are 95 percent wrong so if i look at them and go like man that that purple hair looks ridiculous. Okay. I'm going to say, wow, that your, your, your hair is amazing. It looks really great on you. Right. I'm not saying I love it. Right. Cause I don't, I'm saying it, it, it looks really great. I, you know, and they'll, they'll respond to that. They'll, they'll say, thank you. So and what will happen is I'll realize I was, my judgment about them was completely wrong. I was, I had this whole construct about them because of their purple hair, that was completely inaccurate. They're a human being with feelings and, and needs and desires. 
and anxieties. And I'm just, I'm supporting them. When you come from a place of pure generosity, it's amazing how pure in that there is no agenda. There is no ulterior motive. You're just, you're just offering a compliment and you're showing genuine interest. If you're not interested in people, that's your problem. If you, if, if you say, well, I don't want to meet a lot of people. Everybody's interesting. Everybody has a life. Everybody has complexities and challenges and failures and foibles. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. No, and the, so what you're talking about here is really kind of the uh, kindness and uh, non-judgment and showing compassion. Uh, so what I'm getting is that in order to become bold, you do a lot of the personal work and that boldness will kind of emerge. Yeah, you have to. The first part of my book really talks about adjusting your mindset and then developing some of these social skills and how to think about them and how to approach them. And then five levels of exercises that you would do that start really basic, that actually start non-verbally by just smiling at five people a day. And, and really the goal is smile at as everybody you meet until somebody doesn't smile back and then don't take it on. You're deliberately aiming for failure. I'm, I'm going to find that person who won't smile back. And then tell, remind yourself, have the insight. It's got nothing to do with me. How could they possibly know anything about me? All I did was smile at them. But they could be having a terrible day. Or they just don't smile back at people. Or they're embarrassed about their teeth. Could be anything. Don't take it on. That's what The exercises are about, a lot of times, are about deliberate failure when it doesn't matter. So that your muscle is strong when you're bold and it, at, at, at a time when it matters, uh, when you do have to speak up, when you do have to step up and you want to be able to go, I can get to this relaxed and energized place and connect and say what's on my mind and be clear and not be so anxious that I talk too much or I don't, I don't look interested in them, or I, I, I can't make eye contact them. So they think I'm not interested in them, but actually I just don't want to make eye contact, right? So it's all, all of that stuff turns into the life skill of super boldness because you have expanded your comfort zone so far and are continuing to expand it all the time because you're rewarded for it. You go like, wow, that, I had this, I didn't think that person was that interesting. And, you know, within 15 minutes, I, I find them fascinating. Because I think, I, you know, that's a defense mechanism to think people aren't interesting and you don't want to meet people. Mm -hmm. I, I had it. I, I, that, I, I lived behind that wall for many, many years. I, I, you know, it's, a, it's in, insecurity masked as a superiority complex. Um, but, you know, on a larger scale, we are all connected. And, and the more you force yourself to be detached from that, the more you are disconnected and not realizing that we are all connected as human beings, both energetically and spiritually. And this just allows you to tap into that mm -hmm. fully and, and have a, a satisfying life because you're capable of connecting with everyone and suspending your own judgments. Yeah, I I found that myself when I 
doing my own work that judgment was pretty much the one thing that was holding me back from uh, you know any encounters any opportunities and so forth because you know you judge others as well as judging yourself and the practicing non-judgment was one of the keys to kind of break out of that for me in a way so uh, just wanted to take a detour here for a moment uh, someone in the chat asked uh, uh, if you can speak on the imposter syndrome so imposter syndrome is where you've become bold you've stepped into discomfort and uh, now you're saying oh heck do i really belong <laughs> so yes um yeah i'm very familiar with the concept of the imposter syndrome uh, it, that's that's just a, there's a voice in our head i call it dr no but it's limiting beliefs it's barrier beliefs that you have but it's it's this this voice that says people are going to laugh at you you're not worthy there's a and i don't know where the heck it comes from but it never shuts up um so you basically have to hear it and go yeah that's interesting but i'm not listening anymore uh and because when you meet enough people who are really successful and you realize they have the same insecurities the same uh challenges the same fear of failure as everybody else despite their achievements um that then you realize that none of us are actually imposters except con artists and they're deliberate imposters uh that they're career imposters but the rest of us we're we're all struggling you know i i think when i i became older as a businessman and i started to meet these very successful business people and I, the more i got to know them i'd say wow they're they're really just uh they got they got a little lucky they worked very hard at, at some things but there was nothing magical about them that that they are more uh, valid a human being than I am in some way. And so it's a matter of just stopping to invalidate yourself. And, it, you know, some of it is just we reprogram ourselves by telling ourselves what we want to be true. We just say, I belong everywhere. Just tell yourself that every day. That, that can be your, your morning affirmation every day, uh, and it'll change you. Uh, we are ridiculously easy to program. You know, I use the example of uh, in, in exercising, my, my trainer would always say, you got to do stretching. And I would say, I, I hate stretching. And he'd say, well, it's the most important part of the, of the exercise. Uh, you know, is, is to stretch yourself after. Otherwise, you're just going to stiffen up and you're going to be more and more inflexible over time. Yeah, but I, but I hate stretching. Um, so instead, I just reprogram myself. Every day, I said, I love stretching. It's my favorite part of the exercise of, of, of working out is stretching. I love it. You know how long it took me to reprogram? Two weeks. And it became my favorite part of the workout. You know why? Because it actually does feel really good. But I was so busy hating it that I didn't have time to figure out that I could like it. And I just told myself something different. We, you know, we are the masters of telling ourselves things that aren't true and believing them. Um, and so realize that you can reprogram yourself easily and, and you can call yourself an imposter, but are you? 
or, or are you just another flawed human being working your way through the world like everybody else? Yeah, and it's that pattern interrupts uh, that when you notice that you have patterns, and I mean, that's not only to do with the boldness, it's to do with everything in life, you know, when you realize that what, once you've created a habit out of something, the sub, it's kind of sent down to the subconscious and it, it, you just do it, right? Uh, yeah. It's when you realize you have those patterns that you can actually start doing something about them. Um, but as you taking one pattern out, you replace it with another positive one. So um, whether that is, you know, yeah, smoking habit or uh, spending too much time on Facebook or whatever it is, they're all habits, uh, all patterns that we can uh, work uh, uh, work out and reprogram. So, um, yeah, and th this. Uh, if we look at a lot of these concepts in your book, they, they do, uh, I mean, I recognize them all. So pattern interrupt is one thing that you're talking about. You don't necessarily use that same uh, terminology, but when you wrote this book or when you did uh, this process, was this something that you read a lot of material or was this kind of wisdom within you that you just intuitively brought out? How did that all come about? A lot of it was reflection on how I got here to the point where I can walk on a stage with 5,000 people and be completely comfortable and do ridiculous things and, and mess up and not be embarrassed and, uh, and meet anyone I want to meet uh, and step up when, I want, when it's important to step up. Uh, it, that journey was slow and arduous, but I, once I figured out how I was doing it, and how it got rewarded. And a lot of it was watching bold people and seeing how they, how their mindset was different. Then I, then a lot of it is uh, neuro-linguistics. I started to read about things like that and, and how we, we can reprogram ourselves mm -hmm. and what, what, you know, the psychological work that talks about uh, the, the, the negative programming that we built in these what I term barrier beliefs uh, that we build in that aren't true, but we are extremely attached to until we have the time to reflect and say, is that actually true? Does everybody actually care about us? I had one of the exercises in the book is to make a list of, of most of the people in your life, the, the, any, anybody that you consider even moderately significant in your life and rank how much their opinion should matter to you. And I think if everybody in this room that's with us now did that, it would probably be four or five people that would rank a nine or a 10 on a scale of one to 10. The, the, the bold person makes everybody else a one or a zero because they don't worry about people's opinions that aren't important to them. You know, you're, you should care about what your parents think. Maybe your partner thinks, maybe your business partner, maybe your mentors, maybe your closest friends, but that's it. Every, you know, occasionally, even if, I, you know, when I speak to an audience, 10% 10 10 of that audience is going to think I'm a blowhard idiot, right? And another 10% is going to think it's the best lecture they ever heard in their life. I don't need to believe either of those things because they're probably not accurate, right? They think everything they've seen is the best thing they've ever seen. So I can't go, 
I'm the best speaker in the universe um, based on that one person's opinion, or I'm horrible based on that person thinks I'm an idiot. I, I don't take any of that on. So it's, it's this process of, of moving out into the world, not carrying every barrier belief with you. And when you hear it, don't listen, just acknowledge it. Say, I hear you, I'm not listening. And then you, when, you, when you act by not listening, suddenly you realize that's where all the good stuff happens. That's where the, you meet interesting people. That's where you have new experiences. I mean, to me, the greatest tragedy in life would be if I lived my life as safe as possible and in every moment, because time runs out. The, the, your, your lifespan disappears and you actually don't know when it's going to disappear. You know, we're all in the game of life, but we don't know how long the coach is going to let us play. So play, I want to play full out every day. I don't want to play it safe. Like I've got all the time in the world. It's the greatest illusion is we have all the time in the world, even though death surrounds us basically as, as a very obvious lesson that we are finite. Uh, it's very important uh, indeed to get busy living and uh, stop being busy dying. Uh, the, and I think if you do the work, you do that work on yourself and you, you show up as the best optimal version of yourself, you don't have to worry about what people think about you because you are going to show up as a compassionate, considerate, kind human being who cares about yourself and others. So from that point of view, what others think, of you, you can essentially say that you don't care what anybody thinks about you because as long as you show up as the best, best version of yourself, it is up to them to accept you or not, right? Yeah, I, to require everyone to love you or even like you is one, impossible and delusional. And so instead say, what if I impact one person every day, make that person, make anyone I encounter feel better about themselves mm -hmm. or have an insight that has an impact on their life. I'm, I'm, my life is dedicated to having impact and having people living the fullest lives they possibly can with the least amount of regret and the most amount of satisfaction and fulfillment and impact on other people and, and making bold moves in their life because we need people to take bold action. We got big problems in the world. We need people willing to step up and say, look, I think I can solve the plastics in the ocean problem. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the melting of, of the, the glacier in, in Alaska, I, I got some ideas. I, we need people to step up and, and solve bigger problems. Uh, but we also need people to be bold enough to say, I'm willing to take feedback on myself. I know I can get better. What can you tell me? This is, this is a really hard thing for shy people to do is take criticism. Because it, because they take it personally, they take it as rejection, as as if we're all perfect. It's the greatest delusion of so many people is we need to be perfect before we can present ourselves to the world. Guess what? You'll never get there. So bold people go. I'm imperfectly bouncing my way into the world with with the full imperfect me, and that makes all the difference because they become better. They don't become perfect, but they become more and more of who they want to be. And they chase their dreams with much more 
enthusiasm and vigor and without self-impediment. Whereas the rest of us are just impeding ourselves constantly with negative self-talk. What are some of the the techniques and tools we can use to relieve ourselves of this fear of uh, being judged or rejected? Um, Are there some... uh, key kind of in your stages that you're talking about uh, and we'll talk about your guiding principles in a bit too but are some of the uh, are there some practical tools that people can uh, uh, apply on a daily basis I, I think if you just talk to people if, if you really start to listen to yourself and say is that actually true or is it something I believe can it possibly be true, right? Um, you know, and make a list of all of these things we tell ourselves. I'm not, I'm not uh, good at, at talking to strangers. I don't like to sing. I don't, I'm, I'm not a good dancer. Um, I, I'm bad at math. I mean, we, we, have, we're, we say all of these things that make them true because we say them to ourselves. They're not true. You may be a, in your mind, a bad dancer, but does that mean you shouldn't get to dance? Uh, why wouldn't you just d- dance badly and enjoy it? That's what I do. I'm not a particularly good dancer, but I like to dance. Uh, I just didn't think I liked to dance because I was so busy worried about what everybody was thinking about the way I danced. They're not thinking about it that much. And if they are, let them say, look at him. He's dancing, even though he dances really poorly. Um, because I've decided I'd rather enjoy myself than sit on the sidelines going, oh, I'm, not, I'm not a good, I'm not a perfect dancer. Um, and so bold people are constantly ignoring that voice. And I think you gotta, you gotta hear it and challenge it and say, is that actually true? Or is it something I told myself? Why would it be true? And then, and then, look at the language, the actual verbiage of it. If, like I said, like, I hate stretching. Really, that's a pretty strong word, right? There's about two things in the world you should hate, right? Uh, Nazis and bullies, right? Which two are the same things, really. Uh, the rest of it, maybe you don't like, or maybe it bothers you. It's like, I hate, people tell me, I hate pay, paying taxes. It's like, really, I, you think that makes you unique? that you don't enjoy paying taxes. It's like, wh- why are you even saying that out loud? Guess what? You're driving on a road and, and you have police protection and a fire department and air traffic control and all of that stuff. So maybe your tax dollars aren't all wasted. This is how you get to move through the world somewhat safely. Um, so maybe just every it, list all the times you say, I hate and say, uh, maybe I just dislike it. Maybe it just irritates me. I hate traffic. You know what? You, you make it worse when you say, I hate traffic, right? Why not say traffic bothers me sometimes? Or, hey, go crazy. Say, I love traffic, right? It means I don't have to walk. Uh, you know, you could just reprogram, just listen to yourself and find out how full of nonsense and untruths your, your, your doctor no is babbling. Uh, and I think it, the more you do it, the more you say, I don't, I don't have to listen. I can't shut Dr. No up, but I don't have to listen. 
and then oh. and and then and you'll program yourself to to act instead of listening to the voice. Well, and it is the, exactly that attitude to our own experiences. You know, the, the there is the uh, the story about the farmer and his uh, son. Don't need to repeat it, but it's the you know the idea of asking yourself: Is a good a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't know because I it, it really is depending on how I view it. Yeah. Uh, can I see a lesson in any of my experiences? Well, then that's potentially a good thing. Or perhaps I need to go through uh, this uh, experience with a lot of, a lot of uh, struggles and suffering in order to experience something better on the other side. You know, as you say, becoming bold when you're inherently shy is a struggle. It's uh, it's a, there's a lot of uh, suffering in the beginning as before you can actually come out the other side as bold, right? And yeah. It, and it's how we approach and how what our attitude to that is that is going to determine how we experience it, right? Yeah. I I, I mean, it just again, right? What's what we tell ourselves? If you say I'm a shy person, I'm an introvert. You, you're forced to fit yourself in that box. If you say, I behave shyly in certain situations, or sometimes I feel like an introvert. I'm a, what I, I, if I had to label myself, I'd say I'm a bold introvert to just make it an oxymoron, right? Because I, I certainly was programmed in my youth to be introverted, but I didn't want to stay that way. So now people tell me, that some people have said to me, that's why the word charismatic is in the book, is people have called me charismatic. I don't necessarily think of my, like I'm walking around going, I'm charismatic. No, I just, I belong wherever I am. And I, I feel confident meeting anyone and having a conversation with anyone. I don't care if it's, if it's the Pope uh, or a, a hobo. I'm, I'm going to interact with them as, as a human being. And where I, wherever I am, I belong there and, and I'm not going to carry, I'm not going to try to create an understanding of, of how they see me because I will never know. Uh, I'm just not going to take it on. They may, they may have a serious judgment. I've, you know, in America, we are so radically divided politically that there are people who dismiss me completely because of my political beliefs, but I don't dismiss them because I think whatever created their beliefs are valid for them. I don't agree with them, and I would love to sit there and talk to them about why they came to those beliefs and maybe challenge them on those beliefs, but I don't have to hate them. I don't have to ostracize them. Well, that, that's that process of non-judgment that you, you arrive at. It's the, you know, when we talked about, uh, we had an episode, we talked about empathy, and empathy is not only having empathy, empathy for or recognizing someone's emotions it's also recognizing someone's ideas you don't necessarily have to agree with their ideas but having empathy for their ideas recognizing that it is their idea and their right to have that idea uh, is becomes part of that non-judgment um, so and i think what you said there about uh, that you belong the, that there is a reason you are in that situation that you find yourself in is really important. I mean, that if anybody can walk around just feel saying that, you know, if I find myself 
in a situation where I'm potentially going to be embarrassed, there's a reason for that. And that's perfectly okay. I'm feeling that you belong. Uh, I think that is a really good takeaway. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I love to talk about embarrassment because I've, I've carried around a million of these in my head. And I said earlier, embarrassment is a choice. You can choose how to react to a situation by either being embarrassed or not. Let's say I, I'm, I'm in a restaurant and I spill wine on my shirt. I could be embarrassed and I could, oh no, people are gonna think I'm clumsy and I'm gonna look ridiculous the rest of the night and I'm gonna have this big stain on myself and I could, oh, like, or I could say to everybody at the table, this is why my dry cleaner loves me. And that's it, everybody laughs. I get a big stain on my shirt the rest of the night, nobody cares and I don't care. I decided not to take on the embarrassment, okay? Or, you know, I could walk on stage with my fly down, right? And some people would be horrified that that they look down and they suddenly realize their fly's been down for the first 45 minutes of their lecture. And, or you could just go, you know, my mom has been trying to teach me to zip this thing up for decades and I still fail, right? Uh, everybody laughs, right? They don't, they're not sitting there feeling sorry for you. Oh, he doesn't know his fly's down. Oh my God, he's gonna be so humiliated. It's a choice. Yeah. But it's a hard choice at first until it gets really easy because you won't die of embarrassment. You could die of boredom by not leading a bold life, but you will never die of embarrassment. You will just feel bad. You, you know, why feel bad? Why choose to feel bad? Why, why think that everybody's going to laugh at you? Maybe it's great that they laugh at you. You know, why not? Well, if comedians get paid yeah. a lot of money for it. exactly <laughs> and uh, if you can make a living out of that then uh, that's not a bad deal ask jerry seinfeld i think he's uh, led a charmed life fascinating um, yes so the so you're also talking about uh, guiding principles in the book and uh, i wrote them down here you have the voice of upliftment do different uh, pride in self embrace failure uh, neutralize uh, rejection, non-judgment, uh, what bad can happen, brainwashing, and be good. So we've talked a lot about these different things. And I, what strikes me with all of these guiding principles is that they are towards a higher vibration. They're to towards a higher frequency. They're towards being a better version of yourself. Uh, it's not... Uh, you don't necessarily talk about, you know, uh, go out and be bold uh, at the expense of others or, you know, be a bulldozer or whatever. It's, there is this mindfulness in your approach that I really, really enjoy. And uh, uh, when I read the book, that was kind of came, came back over and over again that it's, you want people to also become the better versions of themselves. Yes, very much. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not about being bold to uh, take advantage of other people. It's about to have the, the most fulfilling life to chase your dreams with all, all the energy and capability that you have, but to also understand that the greatest gift is 
your connection with human beings and the positive impact that you can make on them. And when you lack boldness, you are depriving them of that. You are, you are not giving them your full self. You're not drawing out their full self from them. That's what this is about. This isn't about you know how to how to get super rich by getting a, a whole bunch of people to do stuff for you. Again, that's the almost the con artist approach. Is it, this isn't about tricking people or, or manipulating people. This is about working on yourself so that from a deeply spiritual level, you are living the fullest possible life with the deepest possible connection, with the least amount of judgment, doing the most good in the world. Because a lot of people do bad in the world because they feel like that's the only way they can stay ahead. They come from a scarcity mentality. They, they have judgments about everybody. Everybody's out to get me. So I gotta, I gotta get a, a, over them. Uh, I gotta, and when you do that, you're, you're feeding yourself negativity. I would, even if somebody gets over on me, I don't indulge in grudges, which is a really hard thing to let go of. But it's, you know, I love that line. Resentment is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. And so many people spend their lives carrying resentments around. and, And the other person that they resent either doesn't know or doesn't care. So they're just eating themselves up with this. They're drinking the poison every day, hoping that person dies. And I've really learned not to do that. You know, I've been severely wronged in, in my business life over the years. I'm just, you know what? I'm going to just succeed in spite of that. I'm not going to give them the opportunity to, to damage me again, but I'm not going to carry around this grudge. I'm not going to have a vendetta strategy planned or any of that stuff. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive them for being a flawed human being and for for not understanding that the most fulfilling life is when you come from a place of serving and generosity. But I I think the best revenge is to, you know, someone who cheats cheats you in business, the best revenge is really to succeed despite their attempts to make you fail. Yes. Right. So being being the best version of yourself is actually the best revenge in that, uh, that case. And you just trust that karma will, uh, will deal with them as uh, it sees fit. <laughs> yeah. And where's your energy going to go? That's you only got so much every day. Where are you going to put it? You're going to spend it uh, resenting people. That's that's squirts all the wrong chemicals in your body. You know, let's look at it from just like a biochemical aspect. Who, who wants cortisol running through your system all the time. Uh, you know, if you want to shorten your life, keep that up. So uh, it's a, a choice to let stuff go and, and know that some people are lost. Some people are so misguided in how they live their life that, that they do damage everywhere they go uh, and, and are satisfied because they do it. Um, but why would you want to be that if you know that that's not satisfying that they that they have they have moved to the dark side um why would you want to join them and and you're joining them by resenting them or being angry with them or having i need to pay them back for that uh or i need to ruin their reputation somehow or whatever everybody needs to know how bad they are 
just let it go. Go do something positive. Go yeah. go have more impact on the world. Yeah. What's the uh, going on to uh, social skills? Because that that's one of those things that, and I, I think a lot of the things that you're talking about is, you know, we if you're a bad dancer, one can always go and take classes, right, to become better. Yeah. Um, and so and finding that confidence so i think if you haven't been able to build up the skill set with social skills i'm sure there are books you can read the classes you can take and so forth uh what what are some of the uh, simple tricks that you know or guidelines that you can uh, offer people in terms of social skills well one of the things i talked about was really to ask questions and and continue to ask and don't ask yes or no questions ask questions that are uh, that are open that lead them to talk and then instead of responding with your side of uh, or your insights or your advice god forbid uh you just say tell me more about that um it, the the most powerful thing to be interesting is to be really interested in the other people um, and and just and to listen without thinking about what you're going to say and then just stay focused on them. And then there's a couple of things that people do, uh, especially when they're they're basically behaving in a shy way and anxious in certain situations is when they finally get to talk, they monologue, they go in an unbroken stream because they Finally, they're not shy. They just need permission to talk. When they finally get permission to talk, they talk in a blue unending streak. Uh, and eventually nobody's that interesting that long. And, and when you catch yourself monologuing, you just need to stop yourself and say, I'm really excited about this topic. I, I, I end up going off on it too much. But tell me again about, you know, you know, when you were skiing in France about that vacation, I want to know more about that. Just just shut up, stop it. And they realize you're self-aware enough to know that you've been talking too much. And it's it's very easy to to go off on that because you finally have an audience and you and you because you we all have a human need to be social. And so when you when you don't have the social training to go, it's not always important to speak uh, and express myself. Uh, one of the other things that people do in conversation, which is, which is a killer, is to play top this. So Chris, you could tell me, uh, you know, I, I was skiing in Sweden uh, and, uh, you know, it was great, I had a great time with my kids. And I could say, Last time I was in Sweden, I I did cliff diving, uh, uh, you know, off the fjords and and uh, you know and and rode on the back of a great white whale, you know, and whatever. It's like all I'm, and all of a sudden you go like, I got nothing to add to this. I just I just went skiing with my kids. Um, so uh, people do this. They they like, oh well, you did that. Well, oh, we, when I was in Rome. You know, I got a private tour of the Vatican and, you know, and, and uh, bought an espresso bar for myself personally. And, and, when it, and instead, just go, tell me more. What else about that? 
That's interesting. I even do it like, you know, the other thing people love to do is correct people. Have you ever met anybody that made you feel better about yourself when they corrected your grammar? Um, and there's people who loved it. They're like, they're, that knowing good grammar makes them feel important. So they can't wait to, to fill in the answer. I, I, I just remember listening to this podcast recently. These, these two guys were talking and they're, they're buddies, right? So they're talking about the financial world and they go, well, in this company sold for $1.5 billion. And the other guy had to jump in and go, it was 1.6. Like it mattered. Like we were writing down the numbers, right? But he had to, he had to be the know-it-all. Nobody is in love with the know-it-all. Never be that person. Even if you know it, elicit the answer from somebody else. What's that? What's the capital of, 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 uh, of uh, you know, uh, Morocco? I just can't, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. You know it. Let somebody else say it. Let them make feel, let them feel good about themselves. You know, people, when they, when they play the know-it-all feel really good about themselves at, but the damage is nobody finds them interesting. Right. So it's, it's really a, a really important social skill that people fall, they fail at because they're trying to feel good about themselves, feel good about yourself by making people feel good about themselves. It's the more lasting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And it's if you ask people about their lives, they will start asking you about the, uh, your life. So it becomes this, uh, you don't need to uh, tell them about yourself because they're going to ask you about yourself, right? Yeah, they, they'll, they'll eventually get to it or they'll find you incredibly interesting without having learned anything about you. I've had that happen plenty of times. They'll say... Have you met Freddie? He's like, he's so interesting. And I'll think, I didn't tell him anything about myself. <laughs> I just asked them about themselves and they found that fascinating that I was interested in them. And that made me interesting. So what? They don't need to know my life story. I, you know, why do I need to tell it? Uh, what I need to do is, is make a, a, a real connection where I get the I, I get the deeper joy of knowing they feel better about themselves, that they feel interesting, that and and maybe I can share something with them, maybe, but only if they ask me. This is like people love to give advice, right? But I, I give advice when people ask me for advice because otherwise you're basically the, the parenthetical of giving advice is. I have my life completely together. Let me tell you how to get yours together. I know, I know what I know more than you about how to fix your life. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I do give a lot of advice here on my, uh, on the podcast, but it's my podcast. So well, but, no, but I mean, that's, <laughs> but they're but they're here asking you for advice. That's your audience is saying, tell me something. Yeah. Right. So, so you are being asked. So that's when you do it. But if you're in a casual conversation and, and people are three sentences in and you go, oh, well, the reason that's happening is because you do this instead of that. Let me tell you how to improve your life. Yeah. That, it's a very satisfying feeling for the giver of advice, but the receiver is, is not enjoying themselves. Yeah. So basically seek to connect with the other person. And, and I suppose that there's no threat in when if you go into a conversation and 
you are intent on just op asking open-ended questions with interest in the other person, there is no threat in that. The only thing they can say, well, I don't want to tell you about that. I'm right. Well, yeah, don't don't go. The other thing, people are, are feel like they're boring if they make small talk. No, you're not. That's the reason small talk exists. You gotta you gotta work your way in gradually, you know, like you don't jump in and say, what's the worst emotional experience you've ever had in your life after you get learn their name. Um, you you might want to go for something a little more positive and a little more superficial and then see what their tolerance is for going deeper. And then, and of course, by sharing your vulnerability, I mean, I've walked into rooms and, and I've walked up to two or three people who were talking together and say, look, I don't know anybody here and I don't feel like standing alone. And, you know, and I, you know, I, I have to resist being shy. So I'd love to join this conversation if you don't mind. But if, you, if you're having a private conversation, I'll, I'll walk away. And that vulnerability is like, no, 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 come on. It's just like, you know, what's your name? It's like, oh, what do you do? Before you know it, they're interrogating me. And I go, slow down. I need to know who you guys are. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I walked in completely vulnerable as a human being rather than, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, again, the life of the party. I'm not trying to be the life of the party. I'm trying to connect with as many people as possible, as deeply as possible. But if I connect with one person, if I do a lecture and one person out of a thousand comes up to me and says, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm good, right? I can't expect to do that times a thousand. I can't, not everybody's ready for what I'm offering. Not everybody here is, who's listening to me is, is saying, oh, this is fantastic. Some of them are going like, I'm not going to do this. And this doesn't work for me. It's not, or I'm not shy. I don't have a problem with this, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and actually somebody asked, is this sort of fake it till you make it? Um, it's really not. It's peeling yourself open gradually because you actually are, you do belong everywhere. You, you are as worthy a human being as anybody else. And so you're not faking confidence you're building your confidence by exposing yourself to the discomfort of it. You're, you're not faking it because you feel uncomfortable. Well, um, it's proving, so. proving to yourself that, you know what? I got embarrassed, but I didn't die. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to kill and, you. And it's actually not that damaging. And you, you did survive it. And it's validating that, proving that to yourself over and over again. And, and even if it feels really bad, if like the rejection feels really bad, don't, don't be afraid to mind that and say, I wonder why that bothered me so much. What, what was that about that? Cause they didn't intend maybe to hurt me that much, or maybe that was done very casually on their part, but what was the reason behind? I've had that happen to me even recently. It's like, why is this, why did that tweak me to such a level? Don't waste a good just, trigger. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's the best way of putting it right there. Uh, it, it, it definitely, there's, there's some information there that's got nothing to do with the other person, but you can turn it into something valuable for yourself. I want to talk to you about imagination. How is it important to kind of visualize yourself stepping into these situations and kind of doing a different case scenarios? 
or is it uh, yes. important just it, it, to do it? No, I think part of the preparation is is one to eliminate any expectation of an outcome. Right. Uh, and and when you do that, that's very powerful. Is you and and that's why the exercises are designed for a negative outcome a lot of times, or to put yourself in a situation. One of the exercises, for example, is to, if you see a sign that says employees only, go in, just walk through the door and there'll be a voice in your head going, you can't go in there. It's a sign that says it's employees only. You're not an employee, you can't go in there. Nothing bad will happen. No one will beat you to death on the other side of that room. You will not be arrested. Most of the time, nobody will say anything because it's a sign designed to keep you out. If you walked in, you must belong there. And the worst that can happen is they say, uh, you can't be here right now and you leave, right? And you and, and it's a great exercise because you go like, I didn't belong there anyway. I wasn't supposed to be in there. And all they did was ask me to leave. Nothing bad happened. We have this tremendous ability to, to exaggerate how bad that thing is. You weren't supposed to be in there, but you, you walked in and they're, you know, they, they say this is for employees only. And you could say, well, actually, I am an employee, just not here. Uh, so I, I generalize. Right. Uh, and and, you know, and they, they'll laugh at you. Right. Like you're crazy. Right. And and then you leave. But it's but the, but the process of doing it, the, the first stage is going, wow, I really think I can't go in there like something terrible is going to happen. Like, oh, there's a sign that says employees only. Um, it's those kind of exercises just reprogram you go like, what's the big deal? Why, why, is, why is some voice in my head screaming, I can't go in there? Um, and then you, you catch yourself in all these other situations where you, you realize that you, that imagining something else happening or saying, whatever happens, I'm going to be fine with. That's even better than saying, oh, this is going to go great. You're going to hear all these things about what's going to go wrong, and you're going to ignore them, and you're going to act, and you go, if you do it enough times and you figure out you're wrong every time about your negative expectation, you eventually stop listening. Um, when it's, and, and, and if you just don't take it on, uh, you know, if you like, you know, I love the idea of the cold calling because you, you make you have to know to do the job. You have to know the ratio. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's take it to online dating. You're you're going to date 20 people before you find somebody that is remotely reasonable for you to date. Most likely could be 100, but it's not going to be the first person you pick online. Right. No matter what, because you're picking for the wrong reasons and they put the wrong information in their profile. Right. So uh, you just assume that it is it is about a series of failures to get to what you want. It's not about an instant win. So it's you just say you accept it. You accept, you say, of, of course, I'm going to meet these people. I'm going to get better at meeting people and get better at discerning what's what's a good match what do i want to talk about on a first date uh what do i want to ask on a first date where do i want to go on a first date do i do i need to make it coffee just in case i need to escape uh, do you you get better at it by willingly going in 
without the right experience or right, without the right skills to just to fail and get better. It's not, it's only a failure if you didn't learn anything, right? That's, you know, and that's what bold people know more than anything is like there, nothing gets labeled a failure. I lost a million dollars. Well, that sounds terrible. Yeah, but you know what I learned is that I couldn't trust that guy, but I love that industry. So when I went back in, I went back in with another partner and I made $20 million in that. Mm -hmm. But I, I would have never learned what I needed to learn without losing that million dollars. So it's like, they just bounced off them. Well, it's uh, failure is only a step to another step towards uh, success. Yeah. And uh, you got to keep at it until you do reach that success. If you if you stop before the success, then you fail. Yeah, yeah. The only the failing to try eventually becomes the only failure. I love the uh, mantra they have in Silicon Valley with the uh, fail fa fail often fail uh, fail, fail fast fail often fail yes up. fail fail fast fail often fail forward right yeah so yeah make sure that you fail in the right direction as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and it's the same thing in life you know in in more important things than just business in your interaction with people you want to get better at connecting with people knowing what they need knowing what they want knowing how to make a difference in their lives when when you elevate yourself to the level of contribution in life you, you have reached that highest level. Uh, and a lot of people never, they're, they're too busy struggling to survive or struggling to feel better about themselves. Contribution is how you really feel better about yourself mm -hmm. because you, you create a lasting legacy that you take with you and that reverberates all around you. And it, and it deepens your connection to people everywhere. And, and spiritually to, to that we are all, you know, yeah. I absolutely believe we're all one separated by choice to to learn uh, how to love again. So yeah. uh, that's a lot of what this is about is it, this is the boldest thing is is to love without fear of repercussion or rejection. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, totally agree with that. But I would definitely recommend that. Check out uh, Fred's book, Super Bold. It is a very good read. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, I was surprised when I opened it up. It's 288 pages. And uh, I was like, oh my God, how is he going to be able to fill this with uh, uh, 288 pages with the, being Super Bold? But there's a lot of good, uh, really good uh, practical advice and, uh, uh, you know techniques and so forth and certainly some uh, a lot of it i'm going to bring into my own life so i, I that's I, terrific yeah you uh, know, just just so people know it's it's uh there's uh, a hardcover version there's a digital uh version in audible or uh, or kindle and it's me reading the book and if you wanted uh, like if you get a digital version you can download the exercises the pdf of the exercises from my website fredjoyle.com you can also read the first chapter there uh you can download the first chapter on fredjoyle.com as well um but wherever you are in the world amazon will try to sell you a digital version somewhere so 
<laughs> probably um but yeah it's uh it was a uh, i loved reading it also from the point of view that it wasn't hyperbole it wasn't trying to make me into something i'm not uh it's really based on uh, allowing me to become a better version of myself uh, which I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm the first to admit, you know, going into a room full of people that I don't know scares the living bejesus out of me. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to practicing some of the, uh, the techniques in your book there to uh, help break out of that shell, as it were. And, you know, starting this podcast a year ago was definitely one of those steps that I was like, I'm just going to have to do it. It's if a bold move you know, fall flat on my face, then so be it. And here we are, uh, 57 uh, episodes later, a year later, and uh, still here, I'm still alive. And, uh, you know, and I, I think really what you're saying, and it's something I've said myself, if it only helps one person, if one person resonates and it helps them, then that's a success. And, yeah, you know, then then you've had an impact. So, and not taking that step and not choosing to move into or to engage and connect could prevent that person from becoming uh, or to, uh, to helping that person. That would be a far worse uh, situation than you being afraid of being embarrassed. So, That's so true. I want to thank you, Fred, for joining us today. It's been a true pleasure meeting you, and uh, certainly when uh, uh, I hope to meet you in person, perhaps out in California, I will uh, play golf and uh, see who's the worst golfer. <laughs> yes, I, I, I bring a lot of balls. Is my strategy. <laughs> I, uh, have a, I have a big golf bag uh, with a few clubs and a lot of balls. So. <laughs> thank you everybody for your time and christopher thank you so much for this uh conversation i i always enjoy this and uh, hope people extracted some value and uh get the book and apply it it's a book yeah. about taking action it's not just something to read it's something to put into practice yeah so I appreciate thank you it. for the time thank you and thank you everybody for showing up today as always and uh, we'll see you next time i certainly feel more empowered to strike up conversation cold at my next uh, social engagement and i hope the same goes for you if you can make a commitment with yourself here and now to be bold as you go into 2022 i think you will find a lot of the uh, changes for yourself and your how you experience 2022 as compared to 2021 and i certainly look forward to another year of podcasting with you and uh, so with that, I wish you a happy new year and look forward to catching up in the next episode. In the meantime, be good. Take care.